Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the best of TJ in science and technology interviews. You're invited to join us to listen to select researchers and scientists share their rarely discussed rediscoveries in science and technologies. The time is now to come forward in our brains and process the discoveries that can now be applied to assist us to master the days, months, and years ahead. So sit back and let your mind soar while your brain processes the best science news from our past that is very relevant to our lives today. Enjoy the best of TJN. Greetings, everyone. This is Nurse Sharon Cole coming to you live on Hygiene for Humanity, brought to you each and every week by the Jewel Network, where we are always justifiably enchanted with enlightened living, broadcasting the science of life and living on the Jewel Network. Welcome, everyone. I'm so pleased to be here. I thank you for tuning in and listening. Today, I have... Uh, some information to bring to you that I'm sure everyone can use. I'm going to share information today about our feet. You know those two things there at the bottom of our leg that carry us around all day long, day in, day out, week after week, month after month, and they take lots of abuse. Some of us only think about our feet when we're talking about or thinking about what shoes we want to wear, what shoes we want to buy, and if they fit the foot or if our foot fits the shoe. But Our feet carry us around and our whole, the weight of our whole body and our standing and our running and exercising, and they take a lot of abuse, so we need to pay special attention to them so that they stay enlivened, that they stay healthy, and that they serve us for anything that we want to do. You know, at the bottom of your feet, you have nerve endings for every organ in your body. And if any of you are familiar with reflexology, you're quite aware of that. I'm going to share some of that with you today. I'm also going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give you some anatomy and physiology of the foot. And I'm going to talk about two conditions, or maybe three conditions that are common to a lot of people. I want to talk a little bit about flat feet. I want to talk about plantar fasciitis and about heel spurs. So, Get ready for the information. Get a pencil and paper if you'd like to take some notes and get a comfortable seat. I'm going to pause for the cause and let our sponsor speak to you for just a few moments, and then I'll be right back to start sharing information with you on our feet. So please stay tuned, and I'll be right back. Humanity is experiencing a vast variety of disorders, HIV, Zika virus, Ebola, hypertension, meningitis, STD, Alzheimer's, and many others. These disorders are the results of not knowing how to live within and navigate the human body. Most of us have learned how to drive a car, but have yet to learn how to care for and navigate our bodies. Enroll into the Jewel University of Immortal Sciences for Immortal Living to learn how to navigate and maintain a disease-free body. Visit us at www.juis.education or visit us on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. 
You're listening to Hygiene for Humanity, and this is Nurse Sharon Cole. So today I want to talk to you about your feet. And the feet, um, like I said, they carry the weight of our body around day after day, week after week, year after year, often taking quite a beating. And some of us, you know, really don't pay much attention to our feet, but our feet actually require special care. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the special care that our feet need. Um, but before I do that, I want to give, a, give you a little bit uh, about the foot anatomy. And foot anatomy in relation to how we speak of our feet when we're referring to the way the foot is constructed. Most of us know about the sole of the foot, which is also referred to as the plantar surface. Plantar, P-L-A-N-T-A-R. That's the sole of the foot, the plantar surface. The top of the foot, uh, which you're looking at when you're standing or sitting and you look down at your feet, is referred to as the dorsal surface. So dorsal is from the Latin word meaning back, D-O-R-S-A-L, dorsal surface. So that, some of you may say it's the top of your foot, It's actually the back and underneath your foot, the sole, the plantar surface is the bottom of the foot. Now there's also a very, another very important part of the foot um, that hmm, it affects the way we stand, the way we walk, uh, the way our shoes fit, and that is called the arch of the foot, also known as the instep. And that is the part of the foot between the ankle and the toes. And those who do not have a uh, well-pronounced arch or have that curvature are referred to as having flat feet. Now, another term for flat feet is called pes planus or fallen arches. And that is because the foot does not have a well-defined instep or arch. So uh, it does put you at risk because the ligament at the bottom of the foot especially in the instep, is, you know, flat on the ground and you're putting lots of weight on it. So you do have to support the flat foot with shoes that give support to the arch so that you actually protect the ligament from wear and tear and from running out, wearing out. Especially, you know, when you look at the surfaces that we walk on. A lot of us have ceramic tiling in our homes, which is very hard. You may work somewhere that actually has concrete floors, and a lot of times the concrete is disguised with linoleum or some type of tiles. But standing on hard surfaces for extended periods of time without a well-supported shoe can put strain on the bottom of the foot, the whole plantar surface, and can cause issues, uh, aggravating the arch of the foot or lack thereof, and also causing uh, inflammation to the entire bottom of the foot as well as causing bone spurs. So those are two things that I want to talk about in today's show. Uh, So getting back to uh, the anatomy of the foot. Uh, So like I said, it is best if you do have uh, some type of arch in the foot known as the instep. Often when you look at a baby's foot, uh, you might not see an arch, but baby's feet are, they're so cute, and they have a lot of baby fat on it, so you really don't see the well-defined arch, 
But by the time a child is four to six years old, you should see the arch of their foot beginning to form. And uh, it's interesting because we often want to keep shoes on the children and keep their foot in clothes, but they just have a natural propensity to want to walk barefoot. And, you know, I believe there's a good reason for that because uh, recently I came across some information on a study that was done in actually in India, and it was done on children. And what they found is that they took a a large uh, selection of children, and some of them were actually wearing closed-in shoes every day, and the other group were either going barefoot or wearing sandals. And what they found was that the group of children who wore the closed-in shoe all the time had a higher propensity, propensity to have flat feet. Whereas the children that were allowed to walk barefoot and to wear slippers or sandals actually had a more well-defined arch. And the reasoning for that is that when the foot is enclosed in a shoe, uh, toe closed in, heel closed in, the foot is limited in the amount of uh, mobility or play that it has in actually stretching the muscles in the bottom of the foot. Children who are allowed to walk barefoot on varying surfaces, that is soft soil such as sand, which is excellent because the sand is moving and it allows all of the muscles on the bottom of the foot to be used, which creates great balance and it exercises all the muscles, the superficial ones as well as the deep ones. Wearing slippers or uh, a sandal, also causes the toes and the foot muscles to actually grip, to hold on to the shoe as the child walks. So you don't want to put the child in a dangerous situation where they're running in shoes that might come off like a slipper, but it's great to allow them to have freedom on the foot to experience varying surfaces. So walking on grass, walking on soil, even a little walking on the concrete barefoot or wooden floor is actually good. It gets the foot in contact with the earth, and we know about that energy exchange with the ground and the foot and all that energy coming up into the body, but also it gives the muscles of the foot a chance to develop and to actually uh, develop a more well-defined arch. So the next time your child or your grandchild wants to take off their shoes and walk barefoot, don't be so hesitant. As long as you keep them safe and there's no glass in the area, and uh, you can keep them free from harming themselves, by all means, let them walk barefoot and let them exercise those muscles. So I'll be right back after a few uh, messages from our sponsors. So stay tuned. Do you love what you hear on TJN? Visit thejewelnetwork.net and sign up for our new membership. For full access to our show archives in their entirety and more, visit www.thejewelnetwork.net for science at its final. Thanks for listening. Let's change the world together. Let's bring greater peace, intelligence, and spiritual connection to our lives. All this and much more can be yours by enrolling in Dr. Jewel's balancing program. In as little as 15 minutes a day, you can enjoy the physiological effects equal to 8 hours of meditation. 
For more information and to sign up for my revolutionary mind-enhancing brain-balancing program, please visit drjewelsbalancingprogram.com. Welcome back to Hygiene for Humanity. So today I'm discussing feet, our lovely feet. Now some of us um, were told we have flat feet and told that there's nothing that we can do about it. But I want parents to especially listen up here because a child may not be aware of flat feet. You know, like I said, the arches of the feet become more defined between ages of four and six. So if you look and see that the child is having a foot that pronates or is actually leaning inward toward the knees and they're walking on the inside of the foot, there's some things that you want to look at because that's not something you want the child to grow with. So you want to actually have that foot realigned. Now, there are exercises you can do to strengthen the instep of the foot. I must say before I go on, there's some things that we also need to pay attention to. You know, is the child overweight? And is the over, you know, if the body is really overweight and putting a lot of excess pressure on the feet, then we want to think about diet control and what type of things we need to do to change the diet so that the child is getting the adequate nutrition but not excess calories. And that's, you know, that's entirely, uh, that's another show. But if you need some guidance with that, you can always write to me at h4h at thejewelnetwork.net and we can certainly set up a consultation concerning that. But looking at the child's foot, and if you see that the foot is, does not have a well-defined arch, there are actually exercises that you can do that will strengthen the ligament in the bottom of the foot. Um, and that ligament is known as the plantar fascia ligament. So there is something also known as foot gymnastics. And you can actually go online and look up foot gymnastics and see the exercises that you can do to actually strengthen the ligament and the muscles in the bottom of the feet so that you enhance arch development. And it's interesting because I went to look up some of these and um, I found that, you know, some of these I did all my life. And I actually used to get teased by siblings um, because I would, pick up my, I would pick up things with my toes, like a pencil or a piece of cloth, and, you know, one of my sisters would always say, you've got fingers for toes. But actually, that is a form of exercise. It's called toe gymnastics. So actually, you can... Uh, take the, the foot, the toes of the foot, and in a sitting or standing position, you know, just by lifting the toes off of the ground and keeping the foot flat and holding them for like 10 seconds and then relaxing them. This, you'll feel the ligament at the bottom of the foot actually stretch. So this is actually part of toe gymnastics. Another thing you can do is to have the child to try, or you can do it yourself, to try and pick up a pencil with their toes and pass it to the other foot or pass it to someone else or a piece of cloth, like a scarf or a piece of towel or a little washcloth on the floor and have the child pick it up with their toes and just move it and scrunch it up between the toes. 
So doing these type of uh, movements actually strengthen the ligaments of the foot and help to form a more well-defined arch. And so you really want to have that. There's also a, if you don't know if someone has flat feet by looking at it, if you don't uh, recognize it, or perhaps when they stand, the foot looks flat, but when they sit, you see uh, a little arch in the foot. Uh, That's actually pretty common, but if, if that does happen, that person probably needs to do some uh, foot gymnastics to help that ligament become stronger and that the arch uh, actually becomes more defined. So if you if you have the foot wet, you know, wet the foot, you're getting out of the pool or out of the tub and you step on a piece of cardboard, or if you're outside coming out of the water and you step on a piece of concrete, you know, look at the, the print that the foot leaves. Is the entire footprint on the uh, surface, or do you see just the outside of the bottom of the foot indicating that the arch is actually lifted up off of the ground? That is a sure way to tell if uh, someone has a pronounced arch if you're not familiar with looking at it and and, uh, making that decision by observation. So um, there are many causes of... um, flat feet, but usually it is the laxity of that ligament in the bottom of the foot. So when I say laxity, it means that the the ligament needs to be tightened up. So all of of the exercises that I just mentioned um, are things that you can do. And there are many more exercises that you can find if you go online and just put in foot gymnastics. And you will see that there are uh, so many things that you can do. Now, uh, the foot and the hand are very similar as far as uh, the way that the uh, structure is. So you have one surface, like you have the palm of your hand and the back of your hand, and same thing with the foot. And then you have the little appendages that come off. And actually, the fingers, as we know them, are called, uh, they're called fingers, but another term for them are phalanges, P-H. L-A-N-G-E-S, and coincidentally or synchronously, (laughs) the toes are also called the same thing. The toes are called, um, you know, you have phalanges of the feet. So they actually have the same, uh, like, scientific name. And the hands and feet are very similar. However, we find that we do more with our hands. But there are some individuals who don't have hands, and you'd be surprised to find what they do with their feet. They have actually trained their feet to type, to they can feed themselves with their feet. They can answer the telephone with their feet. So the feet and the hands are very similar. So if you're blessed to have both hands and feet, you know, give thanks. But if anything should ever happen to your hand uh, and you haven't mastered the ability to grow it back yet, just know that you too can train your feet to do lots of things. Now, there are uh, flat feet in adults um, that from what I read, and I don't really agree with this, but they say that if, a, if an adult has flat feet, that it's permanent and it cannot be changed. Now, I know that every cell in our body 
has the capacity to return to its original confirmation. So I wouldn't say that anything is actually permanent, but if it only will change if you truly desire it to change and work towards that. So some of the things uh, in adulthood that cause flat feet, and if an adult did not have flat feet as a child, but as they grew into adulthood, developed flat feet, that's actually referred to as adult-acquired flat feet. And it's usually due to an injury, an illness, or some type of unusual or prolonged stress to the foot. It can also be due to uh, faulty biomechanics, which is uh, related to the structure of the foot. You know, so if you've put on weight over the years, if you've worn shoes that don't support your feet and you do a lot of standing on your feet, this can also result in fallen arches. Now, they say it's a part of the natural aging process, but I really have to disagree with that because proper care and proper hygiene to the feet will not, you won't see wear and tear of the feet. You know, so how many of us really soak our feet on a regular basis? You know, I've seen lots of feet at a bed, as a bedside nurse, and some people have, you know, lots of skin that have accumulated on the bottom of the foot to the point where it's actually cracked and discolored. And one person actually told me that she's, you know, she would put a little bit of bleach in the water to get the dirt out because the, the skin was so thick and it was cracked and that dirt would get caught in there. Now, that is easily remedied. And you, you don't want to ignore the feet to the point where that happens. You know, feet should be soaked, uh, I would say, every day depending on what you do. But if you can't do it every day, it's a great practice to do it three times a week. And if you're bathing the body and soaking in, in the, the bathtub, your feet would automatically get soaked. But um, I remember, you know, working my 12-hour shifts as a nurse, I had to soak my feet every day when I came home from work because uh, a lot of times I was actually standing for the entire 12 hours. Maybe I would get to sit down for a half hour. But if I was real busy, you actually stood the whole night. And I don't mean walking. I mean actually just standing in one little area. And you may get to move around a bit, but the way the unit was set up, everything you needed for the patient was in the room or you would have somebody run for it and you could actually stay in one of those rooms for hours tending to one patient. And it's interesting because when your mind is engaged in something else, you don't really think about your feet. You may not even think about yourself because you're you know, so engaged in, in what you're doing, whether it's helping someone else or building something. But um, you know, like I said, the feet carry us around all the time, and they really do take a beating, a beating. So from what I've read here, I'm just going to put this out there so you can listen. You guys can um, evaluate for yourselves. The most common um, flat feet are most common in women over 40 years old. And some of the known risk factors are obesity, hypertension, and diabetes. 
Flat feet can also occur in pregnant women, but as a temporary change, and this is due to uh, when a female is pregnant, there's an increase in what we call elastin, which provides elasticity in the joints because there's lots of stretching going on and in the muscles throughout pregnancy. But once the pregnancy is over, everything should return to the pre-pregnant condition. So um, there is something known that happens when a person is a diabetic, that uh, there is a propensity for the tendons to be broken down by increased activity of what's known as protolytic enzymes. So these enzymes are actually, uh, they actually break down the tendons um, because they break down muscle. So the, the tendons or the ligaments in the bottom of the foot tend to get broken down and the person gets a fallen arch. So a few weeks ago I did a show on uh, diabetes. One of the things that came out during that show was that adult onset di- diabetes was actually caused by, you know, changes in the cellular level of the body. So um, over long-term course of the individual not feeding the body properly, um, the pancreas was either not producing enough insulin or there was so much stress hormones in the blood that the insulin could not work. So, you know, we really have to look at, number one, how we're feeding our body. Number two, what are we thinking about? Are we so stressed out that, you know, uh, about everyday uh, activities in life, whether it's the job, the family, uh, whatever it is, so that we're actually uh, creating more stress hormones in our life and, and it's, you know, deteriorating our physical body. You, you know, there's lots of things we can do, relaxation techniques. There's no reason why we need to stay in a state of angst or anxiety to the point where it causes us physical demise or, or detriment to the physical body. And there's things that we can do to alleviate that, such as uh, the balancing program, even meditation is a great thing to do to bring about an increased uh, state of peace and acceptance so that we don't actually end up breaking down our physical body. I'm going to take a pause here and let the sponsors come in and speak to you, and I'll be right back. With such a vast amount of research and medical investigation directed toward vitamins and minerals, it seems almost impossible to know what vitamins you need to take and what effect they'll have on your body. But not any longer. With my new book, Vitamins and Minerals from A to Z with Ethnoconsciousness, you will discover the true value and effect that each major vitamin and mineral will have on your body, mind, and overall health, and how to use vitamins and minerals to transform your health and daily life. To get my new book, Vitamins and Minerals from A to Z with Ethnoconsciousness, please visit thejewelnetwork.net.
And welcome back to Hygiene for Humanity. This is Nurse Sharon Cole, and I'm sharing information with you today on our feet. So the next topic that I'd like to talk about is called plantar fasciitis. Uh, Plantar fasciitis is the number one cause of foot pain in America. And it affects something like over 2 million people. And what plantar fasciitis is, remember in the beginning of the show I said that the plantar surface of the foot is also known as the sole of the foot. So it is the bottom of the foot, the part that you stand on, um, having pain, plantar fasciitis. So the fascia is a thin... uh, thin layer of cells. These are actually muscle cells, but they're uh, a different type of muscle cells, and they wrap each muscle of the body. So it's continuous with the muscle, but it's a thinner, clear uh, type of sheeting that wraps each muscle and holds them together. Uh, When that fascia becomes inflamed, it's called a fasciitis, and it becomes painful. Now, if any of you uh, eat chicken and you've taken the skin off the chicken, you'll notice that there's a thin kind of fluid-like covering around the muscle of the meat itself. That's the fascia. It is tough, and if you cut through it, it's very thin. You'll see that the muscle is exposed. Well, that fascia is actually around. It surrounds every muscle in our body and holds it together. So the bottom of the foot, because it is the weight-bearing surface of the body, it carries the entire body around. Prolonged standing, uh, harsh activities as running on hard surfaces um, will cause this area to become inflamed, and it's known as plantar fasciitis. So any type of itis is referred to as an inflammation. Now, this pain can be uh, described as a dull aching pain or a sharp pain or even a burning sensation. It develops gradually over time. Sometimes it can affect one foot, but most often it affects both feet. And the pain is usually worse. It's worse when you first rise out of bed in the morning, or if you've been sitting in the chair for a long time and you go to stand up and you haven't been standing for a while, once you begin to put weight on the feet, you feel the pain. And I actually experienced this, um, I would say, probably after 20 years of nursing. I really didn't know what it was, but I just knew that every time I got out of bed um, to get up, to go to work, my feet would hurt so bad that I would have to put a padded rug by the bed and I would literally drag it over, <laughs> drag it around with me. And the thing about it is, is when you, after you start walking for a few minutes, the pain subsides. It's almost like when you get up, it's just adding the body weight on top of the feet that it actually is very sensitized and it hurts for, you know, it hurts for a few minutes and then the pain gets better. And once you're standing on it for a long time, you can get a burning sensation. So I wasn't aware of what it was until I started uh, 
investigating, and I heard lots of other uh, coworkers complaining about that as well as heel spurs. So it got to the point where I could not wear uh, my shoes, like my dress shoes, because just if you have a leather bottom shoe and once I put my foot in that, the bottom of my foot would just ache. I would have to wear a soft shoe. I couldn't wear uh, like a regular flip-flop. I'd have to get like a really thick sole shoe to pad the foot. So, you know, that was actually one of the things that prompted me to uh, discontinue bedside nursing because I realized that I was actually wearing out my body, um, especially my feet. Now, you think about the professions or the occupations where people are standing on their feet all the time, you know, cashiers, airline hosts, uh, construction workers. I'm sure there are many others that I'm that I'm, I'm not even mentioning, but, you know, you think about these hazards um, of your job, and most people are very uh, proud that they have their medical insurance, but when you have this type of condition, basically what you need is to get off your feet. And the medical insurance or the uh, insurance companies are not allowing you to take the time off that you need to actually allow the foot to recover. So, you know, I just wonder at what point is it going to be written in the policy that if you develop this condition because of your job that you should be compensated? You know, when are people going to realize that your your body is um, it's very precious? You do need to take care of it. But if the work that you're doing every day is causing some type of damage to the body, you either need to be offered, a, a given the option of getting a new job um, or what type, you know, what type of compensation will you be offered for your feet getting worn out? So I think that's just something to think about because it's really not written into the health care uh, reform, and it really should be. Your job should not be hazardous to your health. So, you know, we really need to think about that. Now, there are some treatments for uh, plantar fasciitis. Uh, there's something called myofascial massage. Um, so this is a general term used for techniques that are um, aimed at restoring um, mobility to the fascia of the foot by softening the connective tissue that has become, you know, very rigid to the fact that it, that it has become inflamed. There's also a technique called myofascial release or unwinding, and there are massage uh, therapists that specialize in this type of technique. So if you're finding that you're having lots of wear and tear on your body, whether it's your feet, your hands, or any other part of your body, you know, massage is something that is very useful and it should be uh, covered by insurance. You know, if you're using your body every day to do your job to provide a service, then how do you care for your body? Besides the things that you can do at home, you know, you know, like getting in the tub soaking. What about getting a professional massage? Uh, what about treating yourself to a, a sauna or the steam room? You know, all of, all of these type of therapies help um, provide relaxation as well as they are very hygienic for the skin. 
and also for the muscles, for the circulatory system of the body, uh, melting away of the fat. And these are things that we need to do to maintain our health. Another thing that we need to think about when we're looking at relief of plantar fasciitis is what type of shoes are we wearing? Um, You know, we don't want to wear a a cheap shoe that has so much flexibility that it doesn't provide any support. And if you're you're working uh, and doing a lot of standing on your feet, what I found is that you have to probably wear uh, a different shoe every night. If you're, uh, or every day, I should say, uh, that night comes up because I was a night nurse. But if you're working five, three to five days a week and you're standing, you know, 10 to 12 hours, you can't wear the same shoe every time you go to work. You really should have a different pair of shoes or sneakers, whatever uh, you're wearing for each night because you just need to alternate the pressure that your foot is. Uh, experiencing in the shoe. And if your feet are uh, pronating or rotating inward toward the instep, you probably need to get some type of evaluation to get an orthoptic to put in the shoe and do some type of exercises that would prevent that from happening. And, you know, pay attention to uh, what's happening with your feet. A lot of times people don't pay attention until they have severe pain and then they're trying to make up for lost time. So if you have a daily routine of soaking your feet, you can massage your feet. Um, On the bottom of our feet is a, I'm looking at a chart right now that it's a picture that has the soles of the feet and On the bottom of the feet is an area that represents every organ in our body, every gland. There's representation of nerves, uh, just um, so many things. So this is um, a chart that's easily available. They're they're online. Um, It's like a reflexology chart. Well, it is a reflexology chart. And reflexology helps to rejuvenate not only the part of the body that we're touching, for example, the feet, but it also provides rejuvenation for the mental and the emotional body by stimulating the different systems of the body, stimulation of the circulatory system and the nervous system. It helps to relieve tension and stress and to bring about a resilience. So there are points on our feet that connect to our entire nervous system and all of the energy pathways or meridians in the body that connect to every organ in our body. So if you don't even visit a reflexologist, you can get a, I mean, I would definitely say invest in going to a reflexologist and having someone work on you. But if you would like to do it yourself, you can get a card and look at uh, the, the pictures of the feet and where each organ is located on the bottom of the foot. So if you're having pain, you can just say, oh, okay, so that's the stomach right there. So you may want to look into what's going on with your stomach. So you may want to check your diet and be a little bit kinder to what you're putting in your stomach because 
when the body uh, gives you a signal of pain, it's definitely a, a symptom or a sign that you need to take a look at what you're doing. Now, there is a technique that I read about, and it's called foot slapping. Uh, you know, do a little research and look into it. There's a whole book out there, but actually the practice entails slapping the bottom of the feet in the morning and at night. So you're not going to slap the foot to hurt it, but you're stimulating, you're, you're causing increased circulation. There's also, you know, there's a part on the bottom of your foot that represents your large intestine, your small intestine. Like every organ is represented on the bottom of your foot as well as in your hands. So when you have pain in a particular part of your hand or your foot, it's giving you information about that organ of the body. And like I said, the the energy pathways in your body or the meridians all have endings in either the toes or the the fingers. So you can uh, apply massage or acupressure yourself or you can have someone else do it but it's important that you stimulate and that's why movement exercise is so important whether you're doing uh, cardio work and you're jumping around or you are simply doing some yoga and some deep breathing or some tai chi or some qigong but you want to pay attention to the subtle ways that you can actually affect each organ of your body Now, the other thing that I'd like to talk about are heel spurs. And heel spurs are abnormal bone growths that that they extend from the heel bone on the bottom of the foot in front of the heel bone. And sometimes they're found slightly to the side. Uh, But their heel, heel spurs are most prone to form where the plantar fascia ligament is attached and they're caused by excessive pressure being placed on the plantar surface of the foam on the foot so the heel spur um, is actually a growth that is made from calcium deposits and these form when the fascia the plantar fascia are pulling away from the heel bone because of excess pressure that's being put on it so again those at risk for developing heel spurs are those who overuse uh, their feet or are putting heavy stress on the plantar fascia so whether you are an athlete and you're pounding those feet on the concrete so if you are a runner you do want to make sure you have good running shoes You may need to have more than one pair, and just because they look good doesn't mean that they're good for you. So, And also, if you change your workout and you're now running uphill or doing something different, you could be uh, putting excess wear and tear on the plantar fascia. And, you know, that's a reason. Well, one of the reasons why it's important to, after you do your warm-up, before you run, you do a little stretching. You want to stretch out all of the ligaments so that you don't just go into your workout and uh, and force the ligaments to, to stretch. You really want to warm them up, get the blood flowing. Same thing with your joints. Get that synovial fluid flowing before you start with a rigorous workout. So the warm-up is very, very important. And pay attention to when your body 
speaks to you. So when the ligament pulls away from the bone, um, the body's protective response is to lay down calcium. So what happens is that that area eventually will uh, have so much calcium deposits uh, laying down that it develops a heel spur. So the heel spur itself is a little protrusion off of the heel bone. And it really isn't, the heel spur in itself is not painful to the bone, but the pain is caused by the little protrusion of the calcium deposit that is digging into the surrounding soft tissue. And it causes the area to become inflamed. And also you may see some bruising there. And, you know, just like with plantar fasciitis, the pain is usually worst when you first get up in the morning or if you've been sitting for a while and then you stand to put weight on the area. The increased pressure for the first time uh, after being rest, you know, the the tissue has had a break from it and then you put pressure on it again and it starts um, speaking to you, letting you know that it needs some help. So. The treatments that are offered for uh, heel spurs are, again, orthotic shoe inserts, and they actually uh, work by protecting the heel a bit and offering some type of acupressure to the crucial points along the heel. So that helps to decrease the pain and offers uh, some type of relief. Now, for... Plantar fasciitis, as well as the heel spurs, exercise, and there are specific exercises that you can do to stretch out the plantar fascia ligament on the bottom of the foot. And, you know, I just went online and looked it up, and I saw lots of exercises that were offered. A lot of them um, can be done prior to getting out of bed. So if you sit in your bed and you actually stretch out the fascia, plantar fascia ligament. And one quick stretch that comes to mind is actually sitting. You can sit on the bed and actually grab the foot, start one at a time by the ball of the foot and stretch the toes back toward you. And you'll feel the bottom of the foot tighten up. And that's a stretch to the plantar fascia ligament. So you kind of wake it up gently before you actually jump out of bed and put weight on it and force it to stretch. You can move it around before you get up, do some gentle stretching, get the blood flowing, and uh, ease the foot into the weight-bearing mode. And that should help alleviate some of the pain that you get upon rising in the morning. Now, if the pain is really uh, bothering you while you're standing, you know, there's always ice massage. And the ice will basically kind of take down some of the, the swelling of the fascia to ease the inflammation, touch that fascia as soon as you wake up, and don't just uh, bounce out of bed and add your body weight to it. But, you know, if you have, if you're doing something, whether it's your job or some type of uh, physical activity that you enjoy doing, make sure you have the right equipment. Um, you know, if if you're standing on your feet four days a week, five days a week, you know, you may have to think about decreasing the hours until the feet actually improve. You know, no job is worth you losing your health or suffering pain. Or worse, you know, you may have the plantar fasciitis for a while and then you develop a bone spur. So, like I said, pain is 
pain in the body is a warning sign, and you want to pay attention to that. There's something there that is lacking. So plantar fasciitis and bone spurs and... Um, but, you know, there's always a uh, a way, a treatment for everything. You know, um, I would advise that if you do a lot of uh, standing on your feet, you know, really think about soaking your foot um, every day or every other day at least and paying attention to uh, the exfoliation of the feet because when you're exfoliating, you're actually going to uh, stimulate the nerve endings, you know, remove the, the feet were not made to have uh, a quarter inch or a half inch of 